coming to you live from the Blaze News headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. This is Press Pass. Hello, and welcome to Press Pass on Blaze Radio, your local student station, 1330 AM. I'm Emily Four here with my fellow anchor, Fraser Best. Here are today's top stories. In international news, UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon has encouraged the Ethiopian government to guarantee the protection of fundamental human rights after it enforced a string of strict rules under its state of emergency. UN spokesman Stéphane Dujarak says the new ordinances prohibit any contact with terrorists labeled groups. Ban has reportedly been keeping up to date with developments in Ethiopia, with concern following the imposition of the state of emergency on October 8th. About a year ago, Ethiopia's largest ethnic group, the Oromo, began protesting. According to human rights groups and opposition activists, hundreds of people in Ethiopia have been killed in the past year due to protests demanding expanded freedoms. According to Dujarak, Ban reiterates his call for calm and restraint and calls for inclusive dialogue to resolve all grievances. So airstrikes have devastated a neighborhood in Aleppo, killing upwards of 13 people, according to Syrian activists on the ground there. According to early reports by British-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, writes, five children are among the dead. The exact identities of the dead remain unknown, but the Aleppo Media Center has reported that 11 of those had the last name Cobb. Uh, according to the preliminary investigation, uh, that is, uh, the culprits behind the attack have not yet been identified, but a top aide to the Syrian president Assad visited Cairo this morning following the news of the attack to coordinate with Egypt to combat terrorism in this region. A local legislator from the eastern Indian city of Bubnizwar reported a fire that broke out Monday in a private hospital and spread to the intensive care unit. A senior fire official told the New Delhi television news channel that by late Monday night, the fire had been brought under control. While few other details were immediately available, India's federal health minister says at least 23 people have died at the Sum Hospital. Minister J.P. Nada confirmed the increased death toll in an interview with the Times Now TV station. Staying within uh, the Middle East, and more specifically Syria, um, Kurdish forces are descending to retake the city of Mosul from the Islamic State. Mosul, a nexus of the Islamic State's regional hold, is located in Syria, as I just mentioned. The effort to retake it is being coordinated by Peshmerga, Sunni tribal fighters, Shiite militias, and the Iraqi army. So in terms of the number and scale of the forces being coordinated, this is the most complex operation in Iraq since the withdrawal of the United States troops about five years ago. The Islamic State has responded aggressively to the military offensive, targeting Kurdish fighters specifically. The Islamic State carried out eight suicide attacks and destroyed two Humvees being used in the offensive. That's for international news. We're going to move now to national news. And arsonists, sorry to remain relatively grim, um, have set fire to a Republican Party headquarters in North Carolina. The damage was rather minimal, but the offender has not yet been identified. The exact motivation for the attack remains the most pressing question at this point. The North Carolina campaign office is located within just a few miles of the D.C. Capitol. White House spokesperson reminds the public that Obama praises those who peacefully resolve differences. He went on to imply that this attack was likely motivated by emotions over the upcoming election, although that is not confirmed by investigators. 
$10,000 have been raised so far in an online donation drive to rebuild the burned Republican office, and that drive is being organized by Democrat officials. So reaching across the aisle a bit there. Over to you. Um, speaking of the Democratic Party, in hope to win back control of Congress, Hillary Clinton is visiting states the Democrats have not won in many decades. Aides say that there is a new $2 million push in Arizona, which includes one of Clinton's most effective surrogates. Campaigning for Clinton, Michelle Obama is set to stop in Phoenix. The Clinton campaign is expanding her efforts into Texas, where a small amount of TV time is being bought, and into Utah, where appearances have been scheduled. In addition, $1 million are being added to campaigning efforts in Missouri and Indiana, both states with competitive Senate races. Staying within the country, the president, not of the, not of the United States, but rather the president of a group representing thousands of police around the, around the world, uh, issued an apology for the mistreatment of black people in the United States, uh, particularly over the last few years, but moving back in history as well. Terrence Cunningham is the president of the International Associations of Chiefs of Police. It's a mouthful, but uh, the apology is specifically uh, made to the black community and came at a conference in San Diego earlier today. In his apology, he says that police injustices have created a mistrust between police and the black community in the United States. Uh, Cunningham also is uh, also the police chief in Wellesley, Massachusetts. However, although he's American and has worked exclusively in the United States, uh, his apology comes on behalf of the international organization. That is the organization I, organization I named earlier uh, that he is a part of representing police chiefs across the world. So the Des Moines Register has reported the birth of an 80-pound female black rhino in Des Moines Blank Park Zoo. Zoo CEO Mark Vukovic said the birth was an extremely significant event for the zoo, as well as for the efforts to reverse a long decline in the number of black rhinos. Combining the animal's wild and ca captive population, there are less than 1,000 known black rhinos. Two adult rhinos are housed at Blink Park, and of the 46 housed black rhinos in North American zoos, only six of them are breeding females. The endangered black rhino, Ayana, gave birth to the calf on October 11th. Zoo spokesman Ryan Bickle says that within the hour of birth, the calf was able to stand and walk. She also attempted to feed within two hours, signs of a healthy baby rhino. And now we're just going to head it over to Alali with the weather. Thanks, Emily. For our weather update today, we have sunny skies with a high of 90 degrees, and tonight we'll, we'll experience a low of 65 degrees. For the rest of the week, we will continue to stay in the high 90s, but we will start cooling down by nighttime. That's all for our weather update. Back to you, Fraser. All right. We have more exciting stuff coming up in just a few minutes, but now we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Press Pass on Blaze Radio 1330 AM. Man, let me see what's on the radio. Where did you come from? Where did you go? All's my life I has to fight. Blazing in the morning, ASU's only hip-hop and R&B show that plays all the songs that you want to hear. Every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. with DJ One More Chance and DJ Coco. We gon' be alright. So tune in. Start your morning out blazing. Listening to Blazing in the Morning. Only on Blaze Radio 1330 AM. The Programming and Activities Board proudly presents our annual homecoming dance. And for the first time ever, we're taking this party off campus. 
Join us for an awfully big adventure at the Arizona Science Center in downtown Phoenix on October 18th. Dress your best. Doors open at 8 p.m. And admission is free for ASU students with ID. And plus ones are welcome even if they don't attend ASU. An awfully big adventure. ASU homecoming dance at, at the, the Arizona, Arizona Science Center. Center. In Tempe, Arizona, born and raised in the studios where we spend most of our days. A student-run station from Arizona State Sun Devils bumping music on the airwaves. People saying, listen to the blaze, I'm like, whoa, we ain't Glenn Beck, okay? The Freshest Radio in AZ. 1330 AM, KASC, Blaze Radio's the name. Don't you forget it, now you know it. Bump it and you might as well kick it. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Press Pass on Blaze Radio, 1330 AM. In local news, a Maricona, after Maricopa County polling sites during this year's presidential preference election in March were overrun with hour-long lines due to the significantly reduced number of locations, Arizona has retaliated. The formation of the Arizona Commission for Election Accountability is a coalition of advocacy groups that says it will be deploying monitors to dozens of polling sites around the Phoenix and Tucson areas to ensure the safety of voters and make sure they are not misinformed. Newly named director of the Arizona Advocacy Network, Samantha Pstras, says that though around 105 people have already volunteered to monitor 120 sites in Maricopa and Pima counties, they are in need of more. Maricopa County plans on having over 700 sites in this upcoming election. In another local story, uh, right here in Phoenix, the Arizona Republic says it's received a number of threats over the past two weeks. These threats are in response to an editorial decision they made just two weeks ago to endorse Hillary Clinton for president. The threats have come online, by mail, and in person. Perhaps the most personal and visceral of these threats have been physical intimidation of young people selling subscriptions door-to-door. According to these employees, Arizonans have screamed at them in the street outside their homes. According to publisher My Eye Parish, uh, who has been the central target of the blowback, messages have included death threats as well as threats of bombings and arson. This is the first time in over 125 years that the Republic has not endorsed the Republican candidate for president. According to authorities, the bodies of two California residents have been found in a north-central Arizona creek. The search for the bodies began after authorities received a 911 call late Saturday about a possible double drowning. The Gila County Sheriff's Office says the bodies of Janish Kumar Patel and Bavish Patel, both 30 years old and from San Jose, were recovered Sunday from Fossil Creek and were believed to be drowning victims, though the Sheriff's Office says the investigation is ongoing. After a three-year court battle, a Phoenix man has been sentenced to life in prison without parole for a 2013 murder. Bobby, Rod- Bobby Roedine Hoover pled guilty for murdering a Phoenix man in his apartment. Hoover also pled guilty to weapons charges. After a long sentencing period, Hoover will now be uh, sent to begin his life sentence. And now I'm going to fire it over to Ali with business. Thanks, Fraser. Pepsi said that it's getting serious about cutting sugar from its drinks. The global food giant said that two-thirds of its single-serving drinks will have 100 or fewer calories by the year 2025, and, and as it will reduce the amount of sugar put in each drink. PepsiCo, which also owns brands including Gatorade and Tropicana, said 
The change was driven by shifting consumers' needs to a new dietary guideline from the world's health organization. Pepsi announced that it will stop using the artificial sweetener aspartame due to declining sales and health concerns. Along with cutting down on sugar, Pepsi also said that it will reduce levels of saturated fat and sodium in majority of its products. PepsiCo plans to make its products healthier for all the consumers. That's all for business. Back to you, Emily. All right. Thanks, Alali. We're going to take another quick break, but stay tuned to Press Pass on Blaze Radio, 1330 AM. Blaze by the Bell. The only show on Blaze Radio that brings you the best of the best in pop punk, pop rock, and local rock. Tune in every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. with DJ Diana for your weekly two-hour jam session to start your weekend off on the right note. You'll hear everything from Blink-182 to Green Day and Fall Out Boy to Panic at the Disco. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Blaze by the Bell. Fridays from noon to 2 p.m. Only on Blaze Radio, your local student station. I accept your nomination, your nomination for the presidency. Curious about why everyone's screaming at each other? If you are, tune in to Cast Your Vote with Daniel Pearl and Stephen Sidner for the latest in politics. You have sacrificed nothing. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. only on Blaze Radio. It's going to be great, believe me. You're listening to Blaze Radio, 1330 AM, available on blazeradioonline.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Press Pass on Blaze Radio, 1330 AM. Now, we're going to send it over to Haley with entertainment. Haley? Thanks, Fraser. Jamie Lee Curtis is standing up for her Freaky Friday co-star, Lindsay Lohan, after a 2004 interview of Donald Trump making degrading comments about her resurfaced on Friday. The 12-year-old interview between Trump and Howard Stern was released Friday and showed Trump making sexual remarks about the then 18-year-old Lohan. The interview talked about Lohan's personal problems, including her father's legal battles, prompting Stern to ask Trump if he could imagine sex with such a troubled teen. Trump's response, quote, she's probably deeply troubled and therefore great in bed. Curtis, who co-starred with Lohan and Freaky Friday just one year before the interview, was far from pleased. She took to Twitter to slam the GOP nominee for president. Curtis's tweet on Friday quoted Donald Trump's statement on Lohan and said, how dare you, she needed help. Lohan said she was more than grateful for her co-star's support. And speaking of Donald Trump and other news, some members of comedian Amy Schumer's audience this weekend seemed to think that politics had no place in comedy. Around 200 people walked out of Schumer's show in Tampa when she launched into a withering takedown of Donald Trump. Some fans booed or even walked out after Schumer called Trump a, quote, orange, sexual-assaulting, fake college-starting monster. Schumer isn't one for normally suppressing her political views, making it somewhat of a surprise that her fans walked out. Schumer has even advocated for Hillary Clinton on various talk shows and pushed for gun control legislation in the past. In other news, Nobel Prize judges have yet to hear from the recipient of this year's prize for literature since the winner was announced Thursday. Rock legend Bob Dylan became the first 
musician to be awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature last week, a prestigious award whose previous recipients included William Faulkner, Gunter Grass, and Samuel Beckett. Dylan is also the first American to receive the Literature Prize since Toni Morrison in 1993. The star has performed since the news broke, but has so far said nothing in public about the honor. Nobel recipients are honored at an annual ceremony, which this year will be held on December 10th in Stockholm, but officials say they aren't worried, and they do believe Dylan will show up to accept the prize. And lastly, Pitbull will be coming to Dancing with the Stars tonight to not only open up the show with the performance of his song Greenlight, but will also serve as a guest judge alongside Bruno Tonioli, Carrie Ann Inaba, and Julianne Huff. The singer is filling in for Lynn Goodman, who is currently busy with the British version of the dance competition series. The theme for tonight's show is Latin Night, with the nine remaining celebrities performing either the rumba, salsa, samba, cha-cha, or Argentine tango. Remaining contestants include Rio athletes Lori Hernandez and Ryan Lochte, among seven others. Dancing with the Stars airs at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. And before I send it back to you guys, I want to wish Eminem a very happy birthday, <laughs> 44 today. Still, still acting like he's 25. All right, that's all for entertainment. Fraser, back to you. All right, thanks for that last uh, that last uh, reminder, uh, Haley. So we're gonna hand out, head over to Trevor with uh, politics. Thanks, Fraser. Attorney General Eric Holder will lead a new alliance of Democrats looking to boost the party's chances of redrawing congressional and state legislative districts. Both parties are trying to position themselves ahead of the 2020 census. Whichever party controls state capitals in 2021 can gain the upper hand in redrawing congressional and state legislative districts for the decade to come. Republicans currently control 69 of America's 99 legislative chambers. That's a historic high, and now Democrats are trying to use Donald Trump's unpopularity to wrest control of as many as a dozen state legislatures. Holder will chair the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, a newly created alliance of Democratic leaders, unions, and progressive groups, with the goal of boosting Democrats' chances in time for the 2021 redistricting. Senate confirmation of President Barack Obama's nominees slowed to a halt this election year, a common political occurrence. But more than 90 vacancies in the federal judiciary are taking a toll on judges. The courts and Americans seeking recourse are not pleased with the current, the current outcome. Obama has nominated replacements for more than half of those spots, including 44 nominees for the district court and seven for the appeals court. Yet, the Senate has confirmed only nine district and appeals court judges this year. Senate Democrats are pushing Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to hold confirmation votes in the lame duck session between the November 8th election and the end of the year. But McConnell has said repeatedly that Obama has already gotten more judges confirmed over his eight years in office than President George W. Bush did. And following up on Frazier's report on the firebombing of a North Carolina GOP office, the perpetrators also spray-painted an anti-GOP slogan referring to Nazi Republicans on a nearby wall. A news release from the town of Hillsborough said someone threw a bottle filled with flammable liquid through the window of the Orange County Republican Party headquarters overnight. The substance ignited and damaged furniture and the interior before burning out. The news release says an adjacent building was spray-painted with the words, Nazi Republicans leave town or else. State GOP director Dallas Woodhouse says no one was injured, but a security alert is being sent to party offices around the state. Florida's hourly minimum wage is going up by a nickel. State, offices told, or state officials have announced that the wage will rise January 1st in Florida from $8.05 to $8.10 an hour. Florida law requires the state to annually calculate the rate based on increases in the Federal Consumer Price Index. 
Groups representing workers have described a small wage as trivial. They say it's not enough to keep up with the cost of living in Florida's urban areas. Many Republican leaders, including Governor Rick Scott, have spoken out in the past against raising the minimum wage higher. Since 2005, Florida's minimum wage has gone up $2.95 an hour. Voters in 2004 approved a constitutional amendment that raised the wage above the federal rate. And lastly, today in politics, Rush Feingold and John McCain largely made their names in, Senate, in the Senate fighting for power of special interest money. But now, as McCain fights for re-election in Arizona and Feingold tries to return to the Senate in Wisconsin, the authors of the McCain-Feingold campaign finance law are benefiting from the same sources of funding they once scorned. Feingold defends his position, saying the political fundraising landscape has changed dramatically since his first Senate run in 2002. But his opponent, Republican incumbent Senator Ron Johnson, has branded him a hypocrite. McCain is tapping super PAC funding to help his re-election bid. McCain has argued that he's simply taking advantage of the law as it stands after the Supreme Court's seminal Citizens United ruling. And back to you, Emily. All right. Thanks so much, Trevor. Now I'm going to send it over to Max with the sports update. Thank you, Emily. Well, an interesting story out of Ohio as Cleveland Indians pitcher Trevor Bauer missed his start in Game 2 of the American League Championship Series after injuring his right pinky in a drone accident. The former first-round pick of the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2011 stated that one of the propellers on the drone began to spin as soon as he plugged it in and clipped his finger. Bauer received stitches immediately following the incident Thursday night, and the Indians won their second game of the series behind Josh Tomlin's solid rescheduled start by a score of 2-1. to one. This has not been the only setback the Indians have experienced this season, as the AL Central Division champions lost Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar near the end of the regular season. Bauer is on track to make his Game 3 start tonight against a Blue Jays lineup that has struggled mightily since Toronto swept Boston in the ALDS, and he will surely look to put this event behind him. In football news, the Big 12 has allegedly decided against expansion for the 2017 season, a decision coming years after entertaining the notion that it would bring increased revenue into the conference. Members of the Big 12 also believe that the absence of a conference championship game and the fact that it is the smallest Power 5 league hindered the chances of any of its members getting into the college football playoff. Two new members would have meant an extra $50 million in TV ad revenue per season paid to the conference from Fox, and the network is hesitant to recommend increasing the payout, stating that it would dilute the product in the short term and end up being harmful to the league moving forward. The conference will stay at 10 teams for the foreseeable future and look to West Virginia as its best hope of making the playoff this season. And finally, Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval signed a bill Monday clearing the way for the stadium to be built in Las Vegas in the hopes that the facility will, could become the home of the Oakland Raiders who are likely to be relocated in the near future. The plan to fund the stadium inc- includes increasing hotel taxes in the area, which is likely to contribute $750 million for the stadium and $400 million to expand and upgrade the Las Vegas Convention Center, making it the largest public contribution ever made toward an NFL stadium. In addition to public contributions, billionaire mogul Sheldon Adelson is putting $650 million towards the project, while the NFL and the Raiders will kick in $500 million. While progress has been made on the legal and financial sides, Relocation will ultimately be up to the current NFL team owners. Any relocation needs approval from three-fourths of the group, who have largely avoided the Vegas area because of its legal sports betting. It is unclear whether or not the owners will jump on board, and Raiders owner Mark Davis refused to speculate on the issue. That's all for sports. Back to you, Fraser. Thanks a lot, Max. So now that everyone who is listening has been brought up to date on the kind of top bullet points of news from the last few days, I wanted to talk about, okay, 
Chelsea Clinton. Did anyone hear that she is coming to uh, Tempe, ASU at, at T- Tempe? I don't know what she's doing exactly. I assume there's a speaking appearance, but... It's uh, it's Chelsea Clinton and uh, one of Bernie Sanders, right? I believe so. Yeah, I'm just looking at the AZ Central story right now. Uh, it's been updating over the course of the day on, on details. I believe it is also Bernie Sanders, though. Let me make sure that's right. Yeah, I read about that yesterday. It's pretty interesting to see that the two of those uh, folks would be campaigning together. Definitely an interesting pairing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like that this kind of campaign season, this uh, this electoral cycle, has a, g- a good cast of kind of. Like the B-side hit characters, like we got Ken Bone out of this whole thing. <laughs> we got Bernie, who's still around, which is great. Uh, you know, Chelsea Clinton. There's this whole kind of supporting cast, which you don't always get with elections. If you view it like as entertainment, which uh, I think you can a little bit, it's uh, yeah, it's got a good cast, and we got one of the cast members. So that's great. Do you have any more information on when or where? So, um, from what I'm I'm uh, finding out, it is uh, it's going to be on Wednesday of this week, um, and it's gonna be a, it's a get out to vote rally. So it's uh, encouraging uh, supposedly students here uh, to go out and, and vote. Um, and if you're interested in it, it's gonna be held inside ASU's Memorial Union building. Um, On the Tempe campus. It is at the Tempe campus, yeah. Um, and I believe it is open to non-students as well. So for anyone, uh, anyone who's interested in that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, the, it's it's yeah it's it's a pretty general form. I think it's uh, she's going to talk a bit about her her mom's uh, uh, plans for uh, to minimize debt for students. Um, so it's a bit a bit kind of uh, uh, customized for her for her audience. But um, I just think it's exciting that she's here to begin with because that's a fun it's a fun thing. Now, is it just me or have we not seen or heard a lot of Chelsea Clinton in the course of this election so far? She's been around. I mean, yeah. I think she's been, like well, like you said, a very background character. She hasn't really been in the forefront that much, but she's her support has been there, I guess, and, like, she's been present, just not, right. like, in the media. You see her yeah. at the debates. You see her sitting next to Bill Clinton. You know, you see her there. She just hasn't said much. But um, I do think it's interesting that she's coming to Tempe and she's going to talk to or campaign to college students. I think that's really important, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. It's important mm-hmm. to talk to the younger um people because we're the upcoming generations you know the future of politics so i think it's really cool that she's coming to talk to the college students because that's you know the demographic around here and that's really important especially if she wants to convert the bernie sanders supporters into her own uh speaking of the clintons it, it's a great opportunity that bernie agreed to do this because yeah. they yeah. Get she's to, got it made now yeah that yeah. he's with her yeah they get to prove that like hey i was listening i'm paying attention like sanders supporters you can come into the Clinton tent now because we're we're on the same team, if that is in fact the case. Yeah, I believe Bernie Sanders will also be coming to uh, to Arizona. Whether it is the exact same speaking engagement, I'm not sure, but I know it is kind of part of a. Um, I'm seeing here Michelle Obama, Chelsea Clinton, and Bernie Sanders will all be making their rounds to wow. uh, to Arizona over the next little bit. Wow. Uh, so we can uh, we can we can look forward to that. Anyone have any kind of closing statement on that? I think uh, I think we've we've talked enough about what we have admitted is a pretty supporting character in this whole thing um okay so with that uh that brings us kind of to the end of the show so that's all for us uh here on monday uh on press pass we want to thank you for tuning in uh so be sure to follow us on twitter that's at blaze news asu um, and come back next week for press pass on blaze radio your local station 1330 a.m we'll see you next week